Well, I have uh, been to a lot of different Christmas church services in my life, and often what will happen is someone will stand up the front and then they'll say something like, Christmas is about this, Christmas is about that, and sometimes they'll say, Christmas is not about this, and Christmas is not about that, Christmas is not about turkey, Christmas is not about presents, Christmas is about family, Christmas is, Christmas is about peace, Christmas is about community. And Christmas, really, as, as far as I can tell, it's about all these things. But I want to add one more thing to the mix today, and that is that at Christmas, we see something about God, and it's about showing us who God is. And it shows us that God is very, very odd. God is a strange, strange God. He does unlikely things. If I was a more impolite person, I might even suggest that God was a little bit crazy, but I wouldn't do that because I'm a pastor and I'm very well behaved. But God does some strange, strange things because what Christmas is about, what we read about in the Bible is that Christmas is about God coming to us to visit us in his son, Jesus. Christmas is about the universe's greatest state visit. I was in uh, Russia, in St. Petersburg, just before the G8 happened a few years ago, and uh, when I was there, they were preparing for the G8, and all these world leaders were going to come to town, and I was driving around, I wasn't driving, because I can't drive on Russian streets, that's insane, but the Russians were driving me around, and uh, I was looking around, uh, seeing what was going on, and there were, the streets had all been cleaned, there were policemen on every corner, anyone who looked like they might be homeless, uh, they were moved out of the city, and, and all the gardens were done, and then we, as we'd drive, travel around, we'd see bomb squads checking parks and buildings and cars to make sure that no one was going to attack any of the state leaders, and then, and then one time we actually saw a motorcade for one of the presidents who had arrived, and there was about 30 cars there. There were uh, motorcycles, and then there were black four-wheel drives with flashing lights, and there were lots of people with big guns. It was, it was pretty exciting. That, and that, I think, is what a state visit should look like. But at Christmas, we see that God comes to visit us, and he comes in the most unlikely way that we could imagine. He doesn't come with pomp and ceremony, he comes as a small baby born to an illegitimate, born as an illegitimate child to an unmarried mother, and he is born in this dusty backwater town in the Middle East thousands of years ago, and when he is born, he is put into the feeding trough of animals. It's like he's put into the slops bucket. That's not where you put God. You don't put God in the slops bucket. That's the wrong place to put him, but that's what they do with Jesus. And then Jesus, who is God, grows up and he becomes a man. And he doesn't become this uh, amazing, you know, world-famous person. He becomes a carpenter and then he becomes a homeless preacher. And then he gets executed in a criminal's death. This is a very odd way for God to be behaving. If I was God and I came to visit earth, I would not do it like that. I would come along, I would, I would have thousands of helicopters, and I would make sure all my angels were on hand to sing praises for me wherever I went. And I would make sure that any time I visited someone, they would come out and give me flowers and food, but mostly food. And then... 
If there was anyone who I didn't like, I would burn down their house and I would send them to Tasmania because I am God and I can do whatever the heck I want. But when we look at Christmas, we see that God is behaving in a very odd way that he would do this. That God is an unlikely God and he invites unlikely people to worship him. And there are no people who are more unlikely than the three wise men. When we saw in the passage, we saw that, we, that there were some people who heard about Jesus, who looked in the sky and saw that Jesus had come and they came to Jerusalem to visit him. And we hear about the three wise men because we've seen them on Christmas cards and we've seen them uh, maybe in shopping centers, in the nativity scene that's in some shopping centers, or maybe we've seen them in flashing lights on someone's front yard. But we don't always you know, think about them properly. And the Bible shows us a very different picture to the three wise men that we might be expecting. For one, the three wise men were not good Christians. We, we, we actually, you know, what we know about them is that they were probably not three of them, actually. We think there are three because they brought three gifts, like one gift per person. But, you know, there could have been more of them. There could have been less of them. There could have been two wise men carrying three gifts. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. It says there was some wise men who came along. We call them kings, but they probably weren't kings. Probably what was going on is that these guys were advisors to kings, that they were astrologer priests. They would use divination and magic and they would look at the stars in the sky to figure out what the future was going to be or what a king should do in their foreign land. They would figure things out like that. The, the word magi, which the Bible uses for them, is a Greek word and it's the word from which we get magic. These guys were magicians. These are not good Christian people. The Bible tells us uh, that people should not practice the magic arts and should not practice divination. And yet here these guys turn up and that's their day job. Their day job is to look into the sky and to, to do magic and to figure things out. And these are the people that God uses to come and worship his son, Jesus. It's a very odd thing to happen. You know, we wouldn't expect that to be the case. These guys are like, you know, ancient Harry Potters. They're like the people who write the star guide in, in magazines. It's, it's like we would put, you know, on Christmas cards a picture of your local tarot card reader or, or that guy who used to be on TV and talk to dead people. These are odd people. These are very unlikely people to come and worship Jesus. So why is it that God chooses them? Well, I think it's because the people who should have been worshipping Jesus, the people who should have figured it out, they, they were completely focused on the wrong things. It tells us in the passage that when they went to visit them, they went to Herod, who was the king of Israel, and they told him about Jesus, and it says that him and all of Jerusalem were very disturbed about what had happened. They were afraid for their own power. You know, this is the fulfillment for them of prophecy that has been happening for hundreds, for thousands of years. They've been looking forward for, to God's Messiah to come. When someone turns up and says, I think God's Messiah has arrived, they should be excited. They should be like, yes, this is it. You know, last week, Star Wars, The Force Awakens came out. 
And it was very exciting. I was very excited. It was the first time uh, in about 10 years that a new Star Wars film had come out. And as my friend Joshua pointed out, it was the first time in about 30 years that a good Star Wars film had come out. And, and I was so excited. My wife and I, we went to the midnight screening at Crown. We dressed up as Han Solo and Princess Leia. She was Han Solo. I was Princess Leia. And we had a great time. We got there, there were all these geeks there, and, and everyone was dressed up, and we went to the cinema, and people cheered when it started. It was really exciting. We were excited about the fact that a sci-fi movie that's probably just for kids had come out, and we were excited about that, that we would turn up at, at midnight in the middle of the city with all the drunk people and watch it and get excited about it. And that's just a movie. But here is the fact that God has fulfilled a promise that he has been talking about for hundreds of years, that God has finally come to visit us here on earth, that he has sent his Messiah. God's people should be excited. They should be like, yes, this is the best thing ever. But instead, they are afraid. Instead, they feel threatened. And instead, it tells us that Herod, in fact, after hearing about where Jesus was, mounted a campaign to have him killed. He responds terribly because he doesn't understand what God has done. Has done. It is the unlikely people who God calls to worship him. God is an unlikely God doing unlikely things, calling unlikely people. And the great thing that we can learn this Christmas is that if God called unlikely people then, then he is still calling unlikely people now to worship his son, Jesus. God wants to have unlikely people in his family. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, during school assembly, what would often happen is someone would get up on stage and they would do a performance for us. I think it was to break up the monotony and to show off the skills of the students. And sometimes it showed off the skills of the students and sometimes it showed us how terrible public education is. But uh, people would get up and they would, they would play in bands that weren't very good and they would do some dances which were sometimes good. They would do all sorts of different things. And there was this one day that this guy got up, and we'll call him Wally, because I don't know his name, but Wally seems to suit him. And uh, he got up, and he, he came up on stage, and he, I looked at him, and was like, you are uncool. And I was like, I am uncool. I, I was one of the least cool people in school. I used to hang out in the library, and not just hang out in the library, I would run to the library to be the first person into the library in the morning to get Time magazine to read it. That's how uncool I was. And so when I looked at someone else and said, they're uncool, then you know that they are really uncool. And this poor guy, he got up there, and he was going to play for us his ukulele. And this was in the 90s. This was before ukulele was the instrument of choice adopted by hipsters. This was back in the day when ukulele was just a tiny guitar. And we were like, what are you doing? And so this guy got up to play his tiny guitar, and uh, we, everyone started snickering at him. And then he sat down, and he, he, he was there. And then he went, I don't know how a ukulele sounds with my mouth. Like, and I was like, we were like, wow, that's impressive. And they're like, Wow, that's really impressive. He went nuts on the ukulele, and everyone was like, this is insane. And then for the first time ever, everyone was cheering in assembly. I was like, yeah. 
water and he got a standing ovation. People were so excited about Wally and his ukulele playing skills. When he came back the next time, they turned off all the fluoro lights in the hall and got the colored stage lights flashing and we had a ukulele rock concert. It was one of the greatest <laughs> memories of high school. And this was, this, this was an unlikely guy who unlikely things happened to, and he got celebrated. And God is calling unlikely people to celebrate his son. I know that, you know, the connection there is a bit strange. You might be like, what? How does that connect? The point is, really, that just as this unlikely guy got brought up to, to do something amazing, and it blew everyone's minds, God actually is calling us. We who think we will be too unlikely to be celebrated and loved by God, that God chooses us to worship his son. And this is about God loving us. This is about God inviting us to be part of what he is doing. God is still calling unlikely people to worship him. And you might think to yourself, look, I am not the kind of person that should be worshiping God. I am not the person who fits into that good Christian box. You know, I, I don't come to church that often. I'm not actually that interested in church, or I do come to church, but I find it boring. I don't really want to listen to the sermons. I don't really like reading my Bible. I don't like praying. I'm not the kind of person who should be part of God's family. And if I can admit anything to you, it's that I find it difficult to read my Bible, and I find it difficult to pray, and I get bored during sermons, and I'm preaching them. <laughs> God calls unlikely people to worship his son. And he's, he's calling you to worship his son. Because in Jesus we see that God has come to visit us and he came as someone who was poor to show that you don't have to be rich to worship him. He came and he spent time with people who didn't have it all together to say that you don't need to have it all together to worship him. He came and he loved the people who had done terrible things to show that you don't have to have done everything right in your life to worship him. God is still calling unlikely people. You know, the Bible is full of unlikely people who God has called, who Jesus has loved. The Bible tells us about uh, the prostitutes who had come to worship Jesus. And instead of sending them away because he didn't want to be seen with these terrible people, he allowed them to worship him and he held them up as examples of what it, how you should respond to Jesus. There's a story of Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, who just before Jesus uh, was, was being, going to be killed, when he was on trial, Peter was like, I don't know that guy. That guy is not with me. I don't know him. I wish he would die. And Jesus came and found him later and forgave him and loved him and then said, hey, it's your job now to go and lead the church. Well, there's a story of Paul, whose job it was to go around and find Christians who followed Jesus and grab them, and he dragged them out of the house, and he put them in jail, or he'd have them stoned to death. And the Bible tells us that Jesus turned up to him and says, what are you doing, Paul? Why are you doing this? You've got a new job now. Your job is to follow me, to love me. And so Paul went on, and he started telling people about Jesus, and he went on to write about a third of the New Testament that is a big change. God has always been calling unlikely people, and he is still calling unlikely people. So wherever you are, 
whatever you have done, whatever people have done to you, however excited or unexcited you feel about God, God wants you in his family. He wants you to worship his son. In the story of Jesus, we see that this baby grew up to be a man. And when he died, he didn't die in some senseless death. It was the most meaningful death in the world. So though he was executed as an innocent man, he died for us to take the punishment we deserve so that we can be forgiven and we can be given eternal life so that we would know that God loves us so much that he would die for us, that he would come as a baby, he would grow to be a man, he would die, and then he would rise again so we would know that there is new life for us. So whoever you are, wherever you are from, whatever is happening to you, God is the unlikely God who is calling you no matter how unlikely you are. For those of you who are worried about the future, you need to know that there is a God who owns the future and he's calling you to worship him. For those of you who are stressed about what's going on right now, you need to know that there is the God of peace who is the God of all peace who is calling you to worship him. For those of you who are feeling guilty and unworthy, you need to know there is a God of forgiveness and he's calling you to worship him. For those of you who are feeling alone, you need to know that there is a God who is with you all the time and who has wanted to be with you so much that he came to live here on earth with us, that he could bring us into his family and he is calling you to worship him. Let's remember this Christmas, along with everything else that we get to celebrate, that we have an unlikely God who does unlikely things, calling unlikely people like you and like me and like a bunch of magicians in the Middle East. He calls all of us to worship him and love him because of what he has done for us in his son Jesus. How about I pray? Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who has done so many good things for us in your son, Jesus. We pray that whoever we are, Christian or not, that we would worship you, that we would see the great things you have done for us, that we would know that no matter how unlikely we feel, you are an unlikely God who is continuing to call unlikely people to love, worship, and honor you. Amen.